Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am Charles Kalazi. Today is Monday, March the 4th, 2024. It is the third Monday of the season of Lent, the Monday of the third week. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the early in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. So this is the famous passage of Jesus after he had started his public ministry returning to Nazareth, and the people of Nazareth rejected him. Now, he had performed signs already. He had done some miracle cures. He had preached some incredible preachings, teachings, sermons, I should say. And they wanted to see him do that there. Yet, it was for the wrong reasons, but also they didn't believe in him. So they thought, well, okay, let's see what he can do. And it wasn't faith. They said, oh, who is this? Isn't this the son of Mary? That was meant to be an insult. Mary was a humble, simple woman. Isn't this the son of the carpenter, Joseph? Once again, an insult. He's blue collar. There's no way this guy is the Messiah. There's no way he's something great. In fact, he didn't go to rabbi school. He's not uh, of the priestly class. As far as we know, he's not a descendant of kings. So who does he think he is? So Jesus explains to them, I can't really do miracles here because you don't have faith. What they wanted was a circus act. And he compared them to the people in Israel at the time of Elijah and Elisha the prophets, where the faith was very low at that time. There were corrupt leaders, and they had led the people astray. And so Elijah was able to help one person. Elisha was able to help one person in those particular stories. There's an expression, and I forget the exact words on this, to those with faith, no proof is necessary. To those without faith, no proof is enough. Our faith is not a matter of opinion. And this is for, uh, as I preach this, as I say these words, I'm thinking of so many people that I went to school with, so many people that I'm friends with, but not, at least not anymore, brothers and sisters in the Lord, because they've rejected the faith. Our faith is not a matter of opinion. We learned in so-called Catholic higher education I mean, I feel like my grade school was really great in terms of what they taught us regarding the faith, the the priests and the nuns and the lay teachers. But beyond that, 
when I got to other institutions of learning, higher learning, some of them labeled Catholic, some of them secular, but still there was a Catholic campus ministry, this and that, where we were supposed to be getting the Catholic faith, and yet what these people working in these institutes of higher learning ingrained in the minds of my friends was that you can change your faith based on your opinion. And by the way, we're talking about uneducated opinions, that you can believe whatever you want according to what you want, how you feel, what's your lifestyle. In other words, you don't have to change your morals. You don't have to change the way you live. Just believe whatever you want. And it was not based on a relationship with Jesus. And so I still hear these things today, especially when I post things on Facebook. People want to argue, well, that's not my opinion. The reality is our faith is built upon, well, faith. Let's talk about the word faith. Faith is a virtue. As I always say, virtue, faith being one of the primary theological virtues, Virtue is something that God does with us. We do it together. We have to work at it, but God also provides the grace. We do it together. We both do it. So faith is a gift from God on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's something that we have to apply ourselves to. We have to accept those graces from God, and we have to say, Lord, help my faith. Lord, help me to grow stronger. Lord, help me to know. And maybe we got to pick up a Bible and read it. Maybe we need to, not just maybe, we need to go to church. And being in the state of grace helps our faith. If someone doesn't go to church, if someone is in mortal sin and they haven't been to confession, I don't trust their opinions. The opinions don't matter. Why? Because the opinions are not coming from the Lord. They're not coming from a person in grace, a person who is imbued with the Holy Spirit at that moment experiencing the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is what I said to the confirmation kids the other day, and I've been saying it all along. If you don't go to church and if you're not in the state of grace, your confirmation doesn't mean anything. You have a mark on your soul that puts you deeper into the pits of hell because the demons hate those marks on our souls. A great saint in the third century said that. Those marked with permanent signs, baptism, confirmation, and holy orders that go to hell go to deeper pits of hell. They get tortured more in hell because the demons hate them. Rather, when we are baptized, when we are confirmed, when one receives holy orders, if we're living in the state of grace, if we're making use of the graces we've been given, then, I mean, incredible things can happen. God can use us and our faith can go stronger and our prayer life can go stronger. But it's one or the other. You can't say, well, yeah, I've got it all together. I'm a good Catholic, but now I'm going to try to badmouth everything that the church teaches when, when you're not in grace. You don't, it's, and it's not like from a worldly stance, oh, you don't have the right. I don't mean that. I mean, you don't have the ability. You don't have the wherewithal to be evaluating things that require grace to evaluate. Anyway, why do we have faith? Why is there a faith that's 2,000 years old now? Why? Because Jesus came to earth and he was the God-man living here on earth because he performed miracles. He cured people. He healed the sick. 
He raised the dead. Now, so many people today might say, well, you know, those are fairy tales. There's no way I can believe that. That's 2,000 years old. But you see, it still happens. And I talk about this stuff all the time. Go to Lourdes. Even though it's not approved by the church yet, go to Medjugorje. See all the miracles happening as a result of prayer. Prayer to Jesus and Mary. Go to Fatima. Go to Guadalupe. Go to Emmitsburg, Maryland, the, the Lord's Shrine that's there. Go to so many places in America. Go to the St. John Newman Shrine in Philadelphia and ask them how many miracles they've had even in the past year. Go to the Padre Pio Shrine, which there's tons of them all over. We have one here in South Jersey. There's like 350 miracles in the notebook that have happened just here at this shrine. Never mind the one over in Bartow, PA, which I think has more. Our faith is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive. Believers are continuing to experience healing and peace and joy and comfort and freedom from anxiety and freedom from addictions. If you don't have faith and you don't think Jesus is alive and still alive, go to an AA meeting and listen to the stories of faith. People overcoming horrifying situations in their lives because they turn their life over to Jesus Christ. This faith of ours is real. And then a thing that I had posted on Facebook, you know, when exorcists get involved and exorcists tell you, do this and don't do that, based on what I've experienced, where demons are literally talking to them, and I'm not saying we should listen to the demons. I'm not saying that at all. I know we have an ongoing joke among some friends of mine, some priests, uh, you know, people, some some people love to listen to the demons when they get involved in deliverance ministry, and then we say, oh, you, the demons become your spiritual director. Yeah, it's a joke that's not really funny. We should never listen to the demons. Don't let the demons tell you right from wrong. But my point is, exorcists and people involved in deliverance have experience of what works and what doesn't based on the things that they're doing, the prayers that they're saying. For example, Latin drives out the devil so much more efficiently than any vernacular language such as English. It's a fact. It's not up to opinion. People want to have opinions. That's like saying, well, my opinion is I'm not going to breathe oxygen anymore. Well, who cares if that's your opinion? We already know what the truth is. My opinion is that there is no sun and our heat comes from somewhere else. Okay, thank you for your opinion. Okay, bye-bye. You know, okay, so when an exorcist tells you this is what drives out the devil, things like St. Benedict medals, because they experience freedom when they use those medals. Things like the name of Jesus, the name of Mary, invoking the blood of Christ over us, invoking St. Michael and the archangels. These things drive out demons. Therefore, they speak from experience. This is what works. And so we listen to these people. We listen to people that have experience in their faith, turning to Jesus, calling on Jesus, and even, you know, regarding the Eucharist and some of the sacraments. Some of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they experience the miraculous. There's people there that have wonderful faith, very, very good people. But, you know, we have, this is a crucial difference, and this comes to the very heart of of why denominations are separate, the belief in the Eucharist versus not having a belief in the Eucharist. And yet, 
There's Eucharistic miracles. There's books and books and books about them. And we can go, we can visit these places where the miracles have occurred. We can see the scientific research. I was showing my students this past week a, a video of Eucharistic miracles. There was one recently in um, Argentina, I believe, um, where they, uh, you know, the host, we believe the bread becomes the body of Christ, but it, it literally went through a physical appearance change at where it became a piece of flesh and it started bleeding. And so the people in Argentina decided, let's send this to a lab in New York City and not tell them what it is and see what they say. And when they analyzed it in New York City, they said, how did you get this? Why? What is it? They said, it's living heart tissue from a man. And it was taken from a living man. It was taken from a man who's, by the way, under great duress. You, you, you basically took a tortured man and you opened up his heart to take this sample and you sent it to New York City. And by the way, this man doesn't have a human father. He only has a single X chromosome. He doesn't have a Y chromosome, but we can still tell it's a man. I mean, all these things that would make, and, and they were just so puzzled, the people up in New York, until finally they told them, um, no, we didn't take that out of a chest of a man. It was a host from church. <laughs> And uh, anyway, the thing is, it's the same exact miracle that's happened so many other places in all different parts of the world. The Eucharist sometimes goes through a, you know, it's, we believe it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, but still the accidents remain, the appearance of bread. But sometimes the appearance changes too, and it's always the same every time the scientists study it. Our Lord is trying to prove to us that he's present in the Eucharist. Another miracle that people often talk about is our saints that are incorrupt. So many saints, after they're canonized, or maybe in the process of canonization, 50 years after their death, they dig them up, and they're incorrupt. They haven't decayed. It's a sign from God. Once again, this is real. This is the true religion. I've died. I've risen. And I will come to judge again the heavens and the earth, the world, all people. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth, Jesus tells us. So our religion is based on revelation. And revelation very often comes with miracles. And so there's no, um, there's no opinions here. And these people in Nazareth, they saw that Jesus was a miracle worker. They heard his words. He was calling himself the Messiah in so many words. He said the scripture passages fulfilled in your hearing, and it was about the Messiah, and they didn't want to believe him. Why? Because they were stuck in the way they were thinking, and they didn't want to change. And God Almighty visited them. They didn't realize God Almighty had lived with them for 30 years, and they were too proud to admit that they were wrong, and so they missed the time of their visitation, as Jesus says. They miss the time of their visitation. We are all given a chance to accept Jesus. And eventually that's going to be taken away and we're not going to have any more chances. So whatever chance is given you to know the truth, to believe the truth, to follow the truth, take it. Take that opportunity because it's not always going to be there. And we will come to Judgment Day. Judgment Day isn't a day where we figure it all out. Oh, look, the Christians were right. 
No, we already know all that now. Judgment Day is a day where Jesus says, You knew about me. Did you follow me? Did you receive what I gave? Did you love God above all things and in my name love your neighbor as yourself? It's not just about being nice and being tolerant. It's so much more than that. Jesus was very nice, very tolerant, but it was geared towards salvation. It was geared towards leading people to the Father and ultimately leading them to their salvation. Let's open up our hearts and receive whatever it is that Jesus desires to give to us. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you.